Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. It's Higher Learning. It is I, Van Lathan. It's me, Rachel Lindsay. We were just talking about something. Yep. Shout out to everyone that's over on the Cameo app. <laughs> you guys know what Cameo is, Thought Warriors? It's where celebrities oh, they know. app. Yeah. And you pay a certain amount of money and a celebrity will then uh, give you a greeting, like a message. Everybody knows yes. Cameo now. Yes. Who is the mo- who do you think right now is the highest price person on Cameo? It's a great question. I don't know. Okay, people who are doing it for charity don't count, right? Because you they have like the one, the one, count. the one offs that come in just to do it to raise something. Uh, Chris Harrison is like five hundred plus. Are there people more than that? Plus, yeah, Chris Harrison. Uh, I see. Oh, they got Debbie Gibson on here. I, I would pay for a Debbie Gibson cameo. Would you? Yeah, get on there and do I Think We're Alone Now. Is that her or was that Tiffany? <laughs> no. Aren't they the that same w- person? No, Debbie Gibson and Tiffany. Wow, you racist I think as we're hell. alone now. No, I thought I, get, I thought her nickname was like Tiffany, but her real name was you Debbie thought Gibson. That, <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought Tiffany was like the stage name. You are not going to be let into the white villages anymore. <laughs> you, you are all out of here, man. No, like Debbie Gibson and Tip- Tiffany, they were like um, rivals, they were, uh, rivals, like Britney and Christina, like mm-hmm. a Britney and Christina for the late eighties. Let me, st- I'm looking right now. It's got so Debbie Gibson is two forty nine. I think that's actually low for Debbie Gibson. Um, it's a different see. generation. I'm telling you, Chris Harrison's like five hundred plus. Sort. Let's sort by price, high to low. Let's okay. see who the highest person. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, how how much is Caitlyn? Uh, twenty five hundred bucks wow. to get a Caitlyn Jenner cameo. I wonder if she's ever sold one. I'm sure she has. That's a lot of money. Now, have you ever bought a cameo for some, for someone? Of course not. Okay, I did for my older sister. Wow, and she loved it <laughs> for okay. her birthday. Second question: Would you ever be on cameo? Fuck no. Uh, it's, it, excuse my language, Judge Lindsay. But, but, but no, no, I wouldn't. And it, and by the way, I am shocked by some of the people that I see who are on Cameo. I was about to Everybody's go off on Cameo. On I am shocked. Who's, who, who's the, who's the name that shocks you? Sanaa Lathan. A, a lot of people, is it for charity or is it just I, her? I don't know if it's for charity. Sanaa Lathan is on Cameo. A lot uh, of people. Ice Cube is on Cameo. Marlon Wayans. Shaka Khan is on Cameo. DC Young Fly, I know he got a lot of money. He's on Cameo. My man Damon John. Richard Dreyfus is $1,000 on Cameo. I was about to put the wheel in Cameo back, but the reality is that it seems like I'm the only one not. What do you think your Cameo price would be? What would be a fair price okay. for a First Cameo of all, from Rachel Lindsay? I'm not on Cameo. I know that shocks people because they see me doing ads on Instagram. I don't know. I, there's something personal about cameo that I just don't want people to have that kind of access to me and like saving videos of me in that way. I'm, I guess I'm private in that sense. My price though, there are a lot of bachelor people on it. Okay. It so seems like it would be would a good say, little side hustle, side hustle if you had been on ABC for a while. Yeah. A lot of people. Um, I'd say about 250. 250. Okay. So if you're, if you're in the 250 range of cameo, I'm going to tell you people that are around the same range as you. Uh, yep. Dog the Bounty Hunter. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tariq L. Musa uh, from Flipper Flop. Yes. 
Yes. Denise Richards. Okay, housewife. Housewife. Lexi Pantera. I, I don't know. She is a celebrity twerk instructor and rapper. Um, oh. uh, Paul Rubens. Pee Wee Herman is 250. Uh, let me see. Sh- the Chanel West Coast. Steve Gutenberg. So 250. Nisi Nash is 250. Nisi. Nisi. I, I, when we get Nisi on the podcast, Nisi got to be. I feel like Nisi, I should be more than 250. <laughs> you feel like got to be, be, be way more than 250. But man. this Nisi, is the thing. You don't want to outprice yourself. Right. You can't, you can't start too high. So I understand there are people who change their prices. You know, uh-huh. if you realize that the demand is high, then you need to raise your prices. James Vanderbeek is 225. Damn. Alyssa Milano, 225. It's, I'm not going to lie. Look. I, 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 the cameo thing isn't for me. I'm not, I think it's kind of corny. Not that anyone would pay for my cameo. I just, it just. Oh, they would. I, they I, would. I, 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 I seriously doubt that people would pay for my cameo. But Well, what you wouldn't be able to handle is the request, right? Like they would ask you to do something specific and you mm-hmm. wouldn't, I don't think you would be able to handle that. Yeah, yeah, maybe Can not. you say this? I love when you say this. Can you tell them this? They, yeah. Can you curse my friend out? Can you, you know what I mean? It would be something. Like, like can you pretend like, can you pretend like I'm Kanye? And then. That's exactly <laughs> what people would say. Yeah, it's not, it's not for me. I don't knock anybody who's doing it. I think it's a great side hustle from some people. People make a lot of money off of it. Um, I've paid for it for other people and wow. they thoroughly enjoy it. Like my friend had iced tea wow. and he gave a fantastic video for her. Mm, you know, fantastic. so yeah. Mm-hmm. Law and order SVU. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Uh, do you want a Van Lathan mental health update? Well, how could I say no? Of course, okay. you're smiling, so I I feel like it's gonna be a good one. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, look, so <laughs> and laughing. Um, okay, I'm I'm laughing because the more I think about this, the funnier it is to me at this particular time, like this moment, the moment, okay. uh, a moment right now. I don't now, think this is gonna be funny anymore. A moment right now <laughs> where I'm feeling okay. 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 Uh, so the but the more that I think about that this happened, I just have to laugh at the way things are going. I just have to. So uh, 
I've been up and doing therapy. I've we've upped the therapy now to five days a week. Okay, that's okay. Whatever it takes. Whatever right. it takes. So we've upped the therapy now to five days a week. When I wake up, intense anxiety. I told you guys about this, and then about forty minutes after that, when I get up and start to walk or something like that, just a wave of depression mm-hmm. to where like you cry for like I don't know like. An hour and a half, two hours, or something like that, like really bad, like a guttural, <laughs> why me? You cry. Um, and so a lot of times the the therapy in the morning is uh it's with me and Coley, and she witnesses these tears. Mm-hmm. Like her and Coley and Kalika, and they witness these tears, right? Mm-hmm. So we had a conversation yesterday morning. I remember I was at the beach and Okay. And I was doing therapy on the phone. That's the great. Yeah, yeah, at the, at the beach. And I said something to her, and she just kind of glossed over it. And, and kind of glossed over it. Like, she, she didn't gloss over it. She glossed over it, right? When I was feeling better later on, she, she texted me. And she goes, man, you're a gun owner, right? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, let's do an exercise. I want you to take all the ammunition from your gun that you have. And I want you to get it out of the house. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, just to be on the safe side. Like, take all the ammunition for the gun that you have and get out of the house. And then a thorough therapist, she goes, then call me when this is done because I want to hear you. And so I'm like, "Uh, okay. So my man, Nick, shout out Nick May, called Nick up. I was like, Nick, I got to drop off 300 rounds of shotgun ammunition to you. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and he's like, he's like, what? He's like, yeah, I got to drop off 300 rounds of, of shotgun ammunition. Like, I got to bring it over. He was like, uh, is there any reason why? I'm like, I don't really want to go into it, but yeah. And then, so here's the thing. I, I'll tell you why I tell this story. Um, uh, at the beginning of the podcast like this. The reason why is because there was something cathartic about doing that. It and I can't explain what it was. It uh, most times in my life when I'm feeling okay, if you ask mm-hmm. me to do something like that, I'll say that I'm going to do it, and then I never will. You okay. know what I mean? But in this particular point, being active in your healing, being active in your self care or your self protection with a mm-hmm. team of people around you, including Kalika, including people from uh, this new place I'm trying tomorrow, and all of this stuff like this, it felt good. It felt good to good. get up and actually go do it. Because think about it. Like, you're at home, you're in the doldrums, but to do this, you got to go and you got to load up the shells and then you got to put them in the car and then you got to drive and then you mm-hmm. see people skateboard and stuff like that. It's like little things like that that kind of get you out of your head. Um, but I... So every single day is Groundhog's Day, right? It's like, I, I'm, yeah. I, I, level, out in, I level out in the evening, but in the morning, it's like, like terrible, right? So, but once I get clarity, uh, I then think about, I can reflect humorously on okay. how fucked up I was just a couple of hours ago. Okay. And, and it's funny. It's funny to like be walking around like LA with a certain degree of people knowing who you are, like crying. And people and like and oh, like dude, oh is you cry like on your walks and runs oh yes okay. like I, as soon as I start walking my throat starts like welling up you know what gotcha. I mean like I can't control it I really don't know what's going on 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, when you walk around and stuff like that, people see you and they go, <laughs> they don't just go, hey, are you okay? They go, yo, fan, dog, you straight? And I just look back and go, oh, man, it's just 2020, bro. You know what I mean? I don't know what to say. Everybody man. understands that. All right, all right. And then they're like, shit, you telling me, bro. But yeah, man, can you get, you think you can get me in at TMZ? Nah, nigga, I'm in crisis. That's like what I, people say. Shit, <laughs> good. <laughs> Calm down. Give the man a break. All right, all right, all right. Hey, bro, but seriously, man, you are they hiring at the ringer? Like, bro, it's like, chill, dog. Chill. I'm, you don't see me with my shoes off, walking through the grass. Oh, like, and oh you're earthing? I'm you grounding are? myself. Yeah, let That's me ground. Called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that. I do that um, too. Yeah, but so, uh, and I say this to say, that's already one N-word for this podcast too. I say this to say to people out there um, that might be going through the same thing because I've, uh, dozens of people I've reached out that are going through the same thing is it's very hard, but take the first step and do the work. Like yeah. just take take the, it's, it's I, I know. I know, guys. Like I really, I know. Nobody knows better. Well, there are people that probably know better, but I'm, I'm telling you, I know. Take the first step and do the work. If they tell you, sometimes it doesn't feel like it's going to work. They say, hey, get up, uh, sit down and put a puzzle together or play a video game. Do something to activate your mind. Or they say, hey, get up and take a shower first thing, then go for a run. Meditate. Mm-hmm. Do all of these things. I'm telling you, just d- try. Yeah. You know? Just I like, think it's I'm, great advice. Yeah, just try, 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 you know. And if you can build a team, build a team of people. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll tell you, man, I'm not laughing. I found no humor in what you just said, but I am glad you're okay. I am glad you're okay. You know, I started to to drop the shells off at your crib. You you could have. You know what's funny? Is that something else that I realized that was troubling. When 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 she asked me to do that, I've been out here 16 years, right? Mm -hmm. Nah, 14 years. I, I've been out here 14 years. When she asked me to do that, there weren't very many people I could think to call and drop the, and drop that off with. Like, but you know a lot of people. You just meant like people you could trust? Like you felt like, like comfortable it, enough to do that? Yeah, it, there, there weren't very many people that I could think I'm okay with them understanding what's going on with me right now. Nick is obviously one. Me and Nick are, that's my brother. But like, it, and I thought for a second about like, in Louisiana to where I could have actually been curled up in a bed and I could have called people and they would have driven to me mm-hmm. and taken everything out of there and cooked yeah. and stayed around and told stories and do all of that. And I've been living for 14 years here and that kind of doesn't exist. And it's, and, and it's not that I think about it all the time, but I thought about it then. I've been so single-mindedly focused on kind of what all this that we're yeah. doing and everything yeah. else. But I haven't thought about the fact that, uh, shit, I don't know. If I, if I start drowning out here, I don't really know who's throwing the oar. I, <laughs> I, would, I would throw the oar, maybe two. Right. <laughs> I, would, right. I, would help, I would help you out. You could always drop it off. I could sit on it. I used to sit on, I used, people used to, I used to sit on money, too. Back sit on in that the day. Hey, <laughs> hey, like, hey man, yo, Rach, Rach. It'd be so funny if it. I can't, it'd be so funny if I concocted that, right? I told you that. And then, like, I get over there and I deliver because they're in big canisters. Because I bought like Winchester canisters of 12 gauge uh, uh, double R buck. And I delivered it to you. And then, like, you opened it up and wasn't nothing but that dope in there. You know what I'm saying? I think my front desk guy, Kenny, would have been like, hey, man, let me help you out. I got storage. <laughs> Kenny is about that life. White. Kenny would have been like, yeah, 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 come on in. 
people come to me like, man, you got it? You got the coat? I'm like, nah, man. Nah, I don't know where it's at. And you know, you think you're doing me a mental health favor. You're, you're, you're a, a drug mule. Uh, <laughs> Wait, can I ask you, is Bozeman helping? Like, are you going on long walks with him? You taking him to the dog? Or dog parks aren't even open. So you're going on long walks with Bozeman? Well, Bozeman, that help him? But Bozeman won't walk. What? Bozeman, Bozeman, will, Bozeman walks for a little while. <laughs> and then Bozeman attacks the leash. Okay. Oh, yeah. Puppies yeah, do that. Yeah. So th- he walks for a little while and then he attacks the leash. And see, what happens is once you pull the leash, then Bozeman thinks, hey, we're playing now. Yeah. <laughs> so then he pulls the leash. And so then I pull the leash. I'm like, Boz, please stop. And he's like, rah, 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 rah. And so and so then it's me. And, and the, the whole neighborhood thinks it's hilarious. It's me. And, Bo- and then after he pulls the leash, he just lays down. <laughs> I like him. He's Chill. got a personality. He's got his Maybe own he thing. needs another dog with him. I'll bring Copper over to um walk with him. Copper, yeah. I'm into I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, we have a very special guest. The number one late night host in the world. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel. Everybody give it up for Jimmy <laughs> Kimmel. Higher learning. Yeah. Jimmy. Thank you, you guys. Like, so uh, no problem. So I say you're the number one guy. Is there like, you feel that way? Is there, like, huge competition between you and Colbert and Jimmy Fallon and Conan and everyone? Oh, we hate each other so much. <laughs> no, you know what? There used to be. It used to be a big thing. And I think YouTube maybe made it a not big thing because it used to be that you could only watch one show at one time and then you had to tape it and go back and watch the other one. And who's going to really do that? So uh, now everybody watches a little piece of everything. So there, it's not anywhere near as competitive as it was. Yeah. Jimmy, I haven't seen you since I was on your show. Yes, Van, I was on his show. I was on stage for The Bachelorette. And I know you're a big fan. And you might not know this, but Van is new to Bachelor Nation. He has started watching this season for the first time. Why did you start this season, Van? Because I'm doing a podcast with Rachel. (laughs) And we we, we need content. Jimmy, I don't know if you know, there's not a lot of shit going on out here, bro. We got to have stuff to talk about. It always sounds like you've got something going on. I, I'm, I'm actually really like, I don't know. I'm tickled by how neurotic you are, Van. <laughs> yes, what you is, are. Speak on it, Jimmy. What, is that, yeah. what does that mean? Because when I met you, you didn't seem to be the slightest bit neurotic. I mean, you're like, hey, whatever. And you're very kind of confident. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and then, you know, I hear about you worrying about these things. And um, I don't know, <laughs> makes me feel better about myself somehow. Right, because you know what you know what that is, Jimmy? That's a little bit of like, oh, look, Van, big black dude. He's got a little Woody Allen in him. Maybe well, not wait, what? Woody Allen. Right, right, right. <laughs> Woody Allen is neurotic, all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, so maybe, maybe you feel like you're you're you you get are you getting something from my perceived weakness? Is that what you're saying? No. Uh I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is you just seem like, you know, like a guy you're into sports, you're an athletic guy. You don't seem like like um, like these writers that I hang around with here at the show who all mm. think they have sciatica and they're going through <laughs> oh. medical dictionaries. And- <laughs> Listen, you that gotta- is me. That, that is, is him hundred percent. But I think that's me. what the beauty is of this podcast is we're very open about our personal lives and like what's going on. And we really go deep about how we're affected by everything that's going on and how it affects us, especially in 2020 and the black culture and everything that's going on. I agree. On. I mean, joking aside, like when you were talking about, you know, like just kind of crying, thinking about things and, and, I, I most people don't talk about that kind of stuff, and I think it it makes people feel like they're not the only one. Mm, mm. How speaking of that, now 
obviously you're a very successful guy. And sometimes with, uh, and to be honest with you, you've been very forthright about some of the things in your personal life that have happened. And I think that's up for a lot of people. That's when you became not just a funny radio, a funny uh, talk show host, but a part of their television family is when you kind of let them in. How mentally for you has COVID been? It's like, because there are so many people out there right now that aren't on TV every night, that don't have millions and millions of dollars, and it's wrecking them emotionally, financially, and spiritually. Has it been tough for you at all? It it hasn't been as tough as it is for a lot of people. I mean, mm. to, just to be perfectly honest with you, I, I have a big house. Um, you know, we're very fortunate. We can order Postmates every day if we want to. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think about people who don't have that. And I don't think about uh, what what they're going through, because I do worry about that. I mean, I, I, I think about it a lot. You can't help but uh, think about it all the time when you drive in L.A. and you just see you see people who are so far down. And if that doesn't bring you down, then there's probably something wrong with you. But for me, there have been I have to say there have been good things about this. And the good things for me are I was pulled in a million different directions and it was always something I had, I felt like I had to do. And I'm kind of realizing now that I I didn't have to do it. And, you know, I like every night, my son who's three and a half years old, I have to lay down next to him on the floor next to his bed and tell him a story. And then sometimes he tells me a story and then almost inevitably I fall asleep before he does. And he says, well, dad lay with me and I have to lay with him every night. And it's nice because we get to like really talk and, uh, you know, I get to have a, a very low key conversation with him, which you don't really, that's an opportunity that you get with a three-year-old when they're running around the house. But when you're just laying there in the dark, getting ready for bed, it's, it's, that has definitely been good for me. And I think that maybe I will come out of this m- more mentally healthy than, than I was. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's one of the things we talk about a lot on the show is just how with everything that's happening, how we are self-reflecting and how we want to be better moving forward. One of the things that came out as we were doing this podcast is that the FDA has now approved Pfizer's version of the vaccination. And so we've been talking about like our fears affiliated with the vaccine and what how we feel about taking it. And Van has been laughing at me because in California, I'm deemed an essential worker. That Ridiculous. means you... Okay, that means you are too, Jimmy. Because uh, we do yes. television. We're, we're technically deemed essential workers. How do you feel about taking the vaccination? Um, vaccine? I, well, I think we are essential workers from the standpoint of being allowed to work. I don't think we're essential workers uh, from the standpoint of moving up in the line to get the vaccine. I would never, ever want to move ahead of uh, of an old person or somebody that had some pre-existing right. condition or a, uh, a healthcare worker. I mean, the only situation in which I would see myself getting the vaccine, which I very much want to get. I would get it right now if, if it was available. But the only situation I would see is if I was doing it on television to set an example of some kind, because we do know that it's, it's, it's so important that, you know, these people have been working on this vaccine for, you know, furiously for months and months now to try to get it ready. And now the idea that more than half of Americans want to wait and see how it goes before they take it mm-hmm. is I just, it's not something I understand. Uh, you know, right. it's, it's just the, uh, the concept of vaccination is the most successful 
health experiment in the history of the world. It, it, the number of, I mean, my grandmother had polio. She, she walked around with a limp for her whole life. She got it when she was a child. And the idea that none of us have to worry about that or measles or, you know, rubella, right. these, these diseases, yeah. this is, you know, it, it's, it's, you give somebody a little bit of a disease and your body create naturally creates a defense system naturally. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I get the idea that people want to like, kind of see how it ha- what happens to others before they put it in themselves. But as I said on, on the show, I just did tonight. Um, uh, we also, um, we, uh, would drink something called monster energy assault. <laughs> <laughs> And without questioning it. Right. So <laughs> we're doing plenty of stuff, putting plenty of stuff in our bodies that we shouldn't. This one seems to be for a good reason. I have a question. How much nicer or to, are you to your staff uh, after Ellen got fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, how, like, how much was that something? Because they really came at her with the full weight of the internet and the Twitter sphere. Did that make you start? Did that make you add some people to the holiday list? I mean, because, you know, once one falls, I was waiting for a string of them. I was waiting for you to get it, for Colbert to get it, for Fallon to get it, for all of them. Did it it change anything? I wasn't the slightest bit worried about it. Never, it never concerned me for one moment. Honestly, it's, uh, Mm -hmm. I have a very good relationship with, uh, you know, you get people here or there, you have to let go for whatever reason or, or there's, you know, there's something up with them, but, for the most part, I mean, my staff would kill somebody if they spoke out against me. I, I really feel that way. I feel stronger right. that way. I have mm-hmm. to say, as a person who's been there not once, but twice, Van, everybody is professional, above, <clears throat> uh, like above board with, with everything. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time. I've been lucky because I don't like to fire people. I, I, I mean, Nobody does. If you do, you're a sick person. If you're Donald Trump, you enjoy that sort of thing. But... I've had a, a bunch of shows. So I started on when Ben Stein's money and then uh, we did the man show. And then we did, then I, I did Fox sports and I did crank anchors. And so each time you're kind of starting over, you know, most of these shows don't last the whole year. So what you do is you take the people you like the most from a show to the next show. And then you take mm. the people you like the most from that <laughs> show. And by the time I got to my talk show, um, you know, I had a pretty good, core of people just start and so Mm -hmm. that's really like a weird benefit of of doing this and this and this and just kind of move because you you know you get in situations where you can't ever fire half of your staff but most of the time you probably should (laughs) (laughs) now speaking of the man show um when you were on the man show you did a carl malone character which you were in black makeup from head to toe and a lot of people wanted you to, over the years, you've been criticized for having done blackface. And a lot of people wanted you to uh, apologize for having done it. Why did it take you so long to actually get around to doing that? Well, I didn't want to, I didn't want them to win, I guess, is, is the answer mm-hmm. to that question. I felt that I wasn't hearing, I wasn't hearing black people upset with me. I was hearing people who probably love that bit in the first place, pretending to be upset with me. And Mm -hmm. so um, until it reached a tipping point, I didn't feel like it was, it had really offended 
um, the group that I care about, which is, you know, my black friends, the black people that I work with, black people that I know. But then when a story takes on its, its own life, people don't know all the details. And I I did feel like at that point I wanted to clarify. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, really that's, that's, it's as simple as that, but uh, it was being, it was something that was being pointed to whenever I would talk about racism or healthcare or really anything that didn't fit into the the MAGAverse Mm -hmm. um, that their, their argument for everything was just to put a picture of me dressed as Carl Malone on, Mm -hmm. on line. And, uh, and I just felt like, okay, now we've reached the point where I I have to address it because it's starting to spill over. Mm -hmm. I think for people like me, I didn't know about the bit until it just kind of came to the forefront and it took a life of its own. And so for me, it was more of like, I was looking for something for you for an explanation as to why, why, like why you would even go that route, knowing the history of uh, doing blackface. Well, yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's just ignorance, you know, it's maybe not the type of ignorance that, um, that you think of when you think about ignorance, but I mean, just, you know, I just, thought I was doing an imitation of Carl Malone, who I used to listen to on the radio. I didn't think it through and I should have thought it through. Mm -hmm. And I I just didn't, but I definitely didn't have, I I didn't really, I, I, maybe it sounds crazy, but that was, that was never about race. That character, it was Mm -hmm. never about race. I mean, Carl Malone is, is just, he's a character. I mean, he's, he's a guy who shoots squirrels. He's, you know, he's 300 pounds of muscle and he does these things that you would never expect a guy like Carl Malone to do. And, um, and I just thought he was a funny guy and I didn't think of it any differently than I thought of any of the people that I did imitations of. Yeah. So like when it, so it's interesting that you said you never heard anything from black people about it. Had you heard something, had there been a, an outcry, had someone pulled your coat on it, do you think you would have been sooner on it? Do you think it would have been a different situation? Because I, I'll tell you why I asked you that. Because when 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 you say that you that that the MAGA verse is using it against you, sometimes as a black person, it almost it always feels like we are bystanders in wars between white America, right? Right. right. White America on this side is fighting over this thing, and then. We're in the middle as a bargaining chip. Uh, was there was and, and so in the situation where they're coming at you, and you had never heard anything from us, does it did it change your perspective about the active relationship that you should have with the black community and what may or may not be offensive to them, and how you might need to be proactive on things? Yeah, uh, I think it maybe changed my perspective on every other community. And, okay. Um, I I think in a in a um. I, I, it maybe it sounds crazy, but I'm glad that it happened because it made me think about these things and mm-hmm. it made me evaluate what I was doing. And I know now that what I was doing was just trying to get people to laugh without thinking about any of the the fallout mm-hmm. that that might be. And and, and that's not what I want to do as an adult. That's not mm-hmm. how I want to behave as a man in his fifties, you know. And when I was on the radio, nothing was, I mean, I considered it, I don't, I considered it to be cowardly to reel in any of my thoughts. Uh, I, you know, I said everything that came into my head and I wanted to be extreme and I wanted to be 
controversial. I wanted all of those things. And I didn't, it never occurred to me that there was, that there was any negative that came out of that. Uh, To me, it was like, oh, look, these people are laughing. That's it. You know, Mm -hmm. and um, it's just immaturity, I guess. I I mean, it's also, um, I think it's uh, desperation in some way. You know, you just, you're just trying to be funny. You're trying to get something going, you know, and you have no uh, confidence and you have, you don't have, um, uh, a real personality. You don't have, you know, there's no person there. There's just somebody saying a bunch of things. And yeah. as you get older, hopefully you move beyond that. And you know, that's, that's hopefully I've moved beyond that. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's great that you say you're glad that it happened because you learned from it. I mean, we had Amy Schumer on the show who talks about a situation that she went through where she said, you know what? I'm glad it happened because I learned from it and I grew from it. I mean, if that hadn't happened, we might not have had you on the Emmys chanting Black Lives Matter with Anthony Anderson. Uh, which, you know, I think I would have done that anyway, honestly. I'm glad you brought that up because, um, I, um, that's something that is interesting because that made a lot of white people really mad, really mad. And (laughs) and I mean, you say, of course, but it wasn't obvious to me. I mean, maybe I'm blind to this kind of stuff, but to me, I'll tell you what that was to me. Um, Anthony is one of my good friends. And we came up with a funny comedy bit um, that I felt had a positive message. And that was the end of it, you know, and mm. uh, and but a lot of white people, I think, who are um, men, especially who are scared of losing whatever imagined control they have over uh, their neighborhoods, their country, their job, whatever it is, you know, they, that there is a fear and it's always about fear. Were very, uh, was, they acted as if I'd surrendered somehow, and <laughs> uh, and I never imagined that that would. All I was wondering is like, oh, okay, is this going to be funny or not? You know, right? And also, people don't seem to understand the nature of scripted comedy either. Like, we planned every every minute detail of that of that bit. Right. We rehearsed it, we right. refined it. You know, that was not that was not uh, Anthony didn't come in and strong arm me in that situation. We worked right. on that together. Right. And, um, and sometimes it's really weird. Uh, I mean, some, I like to take it as a compliment, I guess, because you want it to feel as natural a- as it is. But I remember one time in particular, uh, I had, uh, after many years of making fun of him, I had Matt Damon come on the show and I did an intro that was so long. It went on for minutes that we ran out of time for him just as his butt hit the seat on the show. And, and he, and then we had a fake fight and we were screaming at each other and he was screaming at me. And so many people were mad at me. So many people. And like, if you you just sit there and go like, wait a minute, in what universe do you think this was real? Right. This is not real. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it, it's funny. There are people are still like mad at me to this day that I did that to him. It's like, Mm-hmm. You gotta be kidding! But stop, stop know. fucking over Will Hunting. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you obviously throughout your career have friends of all different political spectrums, right? Yes, all over the place. How do you deal? Because see, here's the thing with me: black dude, forty years old. I don't have any Trump Republican friends. I don't. I don't. 
how do you, is it possible to be friends with a Trump supporter? Can it be done with, with, with kind of how things are right now? Well, I, I assume you're talking about Adam Carolla. And I just I do want to say that although most people think he is, he is not a Trump supporter. Oh, no, I wasn't um, talking about uh, Adam specifically. Yeah. I was like, I like I've worked with Adam. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't talking about um, Adam specifically, but yeah. Well, I don't you know, the only other friend I have who's a, a Trump supporter is is Ben Stein. I mean, I, no, I, I'm, that's not true. Actually, now I'm thinking in my life, I do have it. And I have more family members than uh, than friends who are. Uh, mm. Trump supporters. And I think part of that is because I live in L.A. and, uh, you know, and it is a, a bubble for sure. It's very hard. And my approach to it is. I want to be I want to try to effectively convince them that. Um, I don't want to say what they think is wrong, but I do think it's wrong. I, you know, I mean, the, I do think it's wrong to support the guy. And I, I will tell you that in almost every case, there's one particular issue that um, Trump is uh, like, for instance, I have some friends who are Jewish who think Trump mm -hmm. is pro-Israel. Right. And I don't think Trump's pro-Israel. I, I think he saw that as a, um, a way to grab a, a, a particular demographic. And I, I think that he's he's a complete phony. I don't think he's more pro-Israel than than um, Joe Biden by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he's pro anyone other than Donald Trump. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I have I know some people who don't believe there were dinosaurs and it's <laughs> it's very hard to what, it, what yeah. are you talking about? I'm, I'm not <laughs> kidding. Who doesn't believe? Doesn't believe that dinosaurs ever existed. Yes. Yeah, they, are, I know people like what that. What the fuck actually. are y'all talking about? Though? We got the bones, dog. Like what? What? Like what are those? Like they think what they were man-made. The bones are a um, one of the most um, puzzling conspiracies of all time. There seems to be no. I don't know if it's the museum people who are in on this, <laughs> or if it's the people who make plastic Tyrannosaurus Rexes, <laughs> or Steven Spielberg and Michael maybe it's Spielberg. Right. <laughs> maybe it's Spielberg. Spielberg had the whole thing drummed up in the past, so he could have a franchise and all of that. I've never. I, that's one. Look, coming from the hood, I've heard every conspiracy. <laughs> that there is but the no dinosaurs one is actually one i've never heard before oh yeah that's a thing that people think that, that you can't rationalize uh believing in the bible and dinosaurs mm, mm. <laughs> um yeah. i guess my last question for you is like last that's it this is it you you want to I mean, look we can keep you here as keep long going? as you want yeah let's keep going come on i, okay. I listen to the show now i'm on so here we go okay uh well i, I want to know something like for you specifically, what was the importance of the change, right? Like, you seem like a fucking complete 180. I just watched an episode of you and Adam on Politically Incorrect. And oh, yeah, right, yeah. It I was, used to do that it, show a lot. It was, but this one specifically was you and Adam versus the... Uh, the two ladies, and they had put out that, that book, The Rules. Remember the that? Rules, right, right. Right, and you guys were <laughs> demolishing them. Not in like a disrespectful way, but it was just super aggressive. And now you're kind of like America's sort of late night host dad almost. Like what in your life 
changed you from being that to that? I remember you were on the fucking show early days doing an interview with Suge in a bulletproof vest. That That's is, right. That is, so, that is totally different from now. What, and I'm always interested in what makes people grow and change and evolve. And like, what, what was it for you? Like, how did you become who you are now? Well, for the record, if I did another interview with Suge, I would also, I would still be wearing a bulletproof vest. You still wear <laughs> Smart a Smart man. Okay, cool. Smart man. Yeah, I got but, you. Um, and remind me to tell you a Suge story in a, in a minute after I answer this question, because I, oh. I have a really good story about that. Uh, you know, we went to college together. We went to, both went to UNLV at the same time. No, you know, we didn't no hang shit. out, but yeah. Yeah. But um, I, you know what? I was never the guy on the man show. When I was on the man show, mm. people didn't know. I mean, people couldn't believe I had children. They, I mean, in fact, I think in that episode, <laughs> one of those women said, well, yeah, this is why you guys aren't married. And, and you I said, was like, I'm married. Yeah, I've been married for whatever, 10 years yeah. at that time. I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. And she was shocked. But I, I played a character on the radio called Jimmy the Sports Guy. And it started as a character called Vinny the Sports Punk. And the idea was... Vinny was this Italian guy with a gambling problem who lived with his mother. And that was part of my shtick is I, I would actually play my own mother yelling at me from the background. And that was my bit. And I did that in Seattle. And then I took that character to K-Rock in L.A. And I called him Jimmy the sports guy. But it wasn't me. It was. And in fact, I spoke with a very thick New York accent. And the and the character that I played on the man show was just that it was a character. You know, it was um, we were. The, these you know two Neanderthals. I didn't believe any of that stuff. I mean, <laughs> right? You know, of course, some of the stuff, whatever. But it, I wasn't like that. I was never like that. Uh, it's just that people, because that was the first time they saw me, thought that was what mm -hmm. I was like. But if you would watch Win Ben Signs Money, you would see the me that you see now. I mean, right. that when I hosted a game show, I wasn't doing a character, uh, you know. But the Man Show re required it. It was a uh, a very particular sketch comedy program. And I really felt like it was not that much different from Carol O'Connor playing Archie Bunker. It's just mm. um, if Carol O'Connor's name on All in the Family was also Carol O'Connor. <laughs> so <laughs> it's confusing and I understand that, but I didn't understand any of that stuff at that time. And I didn't know that I'd have a talk show and I'd be, you know, the things would go the, the way that they've gone. I thought, well, I'll do this. And then I, I have a crank call puppet show and you know, who knows? Well, maybe I'll write for somebody or or do something behind the scenes. But I never even intended to be on television. I, I was my goal was to do a morning radio show in a big city. That mm. was really what I, I wanted to do. Mm. Okay, you have to tell us the Shook story now. So Shook Knight. Now this is you have to remember, like when, when at that time when Shook was on the show and I wore the bulletproof vest, that was a no joke, like scary time. Um, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on at that time. And our show was live. It was the perfect place to kind of make a name for yourself by taking a shot at Suge. Yeah. And our security, uh, let's just say it was lax. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but I was interested in Suge. And, you know, I have to say, I, I, I've rarely met anyone that scared me more than he did. And, um, uh, he, you know, he's a scary guy. And, um, and he's done some bad things and maybe some of the stories aren't true. Maybe they're exaggerated, mm -hmm. but I, I mean, I heard a story once that's one of the craziest stories I ever heard in my whole life about him. And, uh, and I would not want to find out if it was real or not. So I'm hosting American music awards and I have this sketch I'm doing with Snoop, who I've known 
I've known Snoop Dogg since like the day his first album came out. You know, mm. I, I, I did stuff with him on the radio in the, in the early nineties and Snoop, we're doing actually Snoop was holding a bake sale in the lobby of the American <laughs> music awards and the joke and Josh Groban was in the line. And the joke was, you know, like these people didn't realize what kind of brownies they were about, right. about to buy. But so anyway, I have to go from the stage. It's during a commercial break. I have to go from the stage out into the audience to do an introduction um, from the audience. And this time, Suge wants to kill Snoop. I mean, you know, there's, it's, you know. It was fucked up. Yeah, yeah like Snoop had defected and left uh, uh, Death, Death Row, Row Records. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it was fucked up. It might still be fucked up. I don't know. So I am now, for whatever reason, uh, the stage manager loses track of me and I have to cut from the audience to go back to the stage. And I walk into this stairwell and it's just me and Suge Knight in the middle of a live award show that I'm hosting. Mm -hmm. And he's smoking a cigar in the stairwell and his eyes are beet red and he's, you know, high out of his mind and and he was not supposed to be there. And I just looked at him and he's like, he was like, hey, how you doing? You know, and I was like, oh, good. I'm going to get, I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> and I guess I bolted back to the stage. And I mean, it was crazy. It, this happened. Did during, you warn? Did you warn Snoop? Uh, yes, I did. I, I did. <laughs> yes. Why are you like, hey, man. Just to let you know, bro, Suge back here, dog. Oh, you might want to walk light. Snoop I warned and everyone. everybody else. That's what I was going to say. And yeah, everybody. I warned everybody. I was like, hey, Suge Knight's here. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you're aware of this. The killer's in the, the stairwell. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> so, like, you have an interesting relationship with Kanye West. Uh, yes. Obviously, I have an interesting. Wait a minute! I thought we were never talking about him again on the show. Already, What's happening here? We already, What's happening? We already broke that rule. Remember, we <laughs> broke that rule some time ago. We already broke one that of rule. us keeps breaking it. Go ahead, go right. ahead. You have an interesting. <laughs> I have an interesting relationship with Kanye West. You have an interesting relationship with Kanye West. What do you think of Kanye West? I'm, that's the most open-ended question that I can ask. He, for a lot of people, he is straight villain. For a lot of people, he is straight genius. For a lot of people, he is somewhere in between because of his mental health status and their heart goes out to him. So you've talked to him a lot. You guys have had your back and forth. What are your thoughts on, on Kanye West? Just open-ended question. Um, zero villain. Uh, I do not think of him as a villain. I think of him as a, a very um, kind person who wants to do good, mm -hmm. who has mental health issues. That's how I think mm -hmm. of him. And mm -hmm. I think that, I mean, I've known him for a long time too. Uh, in fact, he met Kim uh, on a show we produced together. And, um, and I'll tell you a story about Kanye West. You know, this is not the Kanye you hear about, but we did this show and, uh, it was called alligator boots and it was like a hip hop puppet show. Jordan Peele was one of the writers on the show actually. And, uh, it was, uh, in the kind of while crank anchors uh, was on the air the first time around and Kanye was really an interesting guy. He was always reading fashion magazines taking pictures of the things he liked and um, really just like really interested in in the fashion stuff more than anything. But, you know, we became we became friendly. He became friendly with my brother, Jonathan, with Daniel Kellison, my uh, co-executive producer. And we had a wedding uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, my friend Daniel was getting married and 
Kanye just showed up at the wedding. He, you know, sure. Daniel invited him. He didn't think he would come. You know, he's a big star or whatever. He got on a Southwest Airlines flight. No. Wow. And he flew to the wedding. And I got to tell you, I learned something from him that night because weddings are the worst for famous people because mm-hmm. you're surrounded by, you know, you obviously know the bride and groom. And mm-hmm. so you have to be nice to everyone they've invited to their wedding, which is harder when people get drunk and it's even harder when they um, surround you and they, you know, they want to take pictures. And Kanye had that at this wedding and he was so nice to everyone and so patient with everyone. And he didn't know any of these people. I mean, he knew three of us and I have a great picture of my dad, of my dad with Kanye West. <laughs> that is I mean, my dad, who is who looks like Wolf Blitzer, you know, he is uh, he's like a skinny Santa Claus, Santa Claus, just uh, there smiling with Kanye West. And, um, you know, it's I just know I remember that guy when when he, you know, spins out a little. I always just remember that guy. Mm. Can you imagine boarding your flight and you're a 13 sitting next to Kanye West on a South by Southwest? I can't even imagine that. Jimmy, I have this question for you with cancel culture, the way that it is. And it's at such an all time high being in the public eye, doing what you do, making jokes, interviewing people. Does it at all concern you? Are you fearful of it? Do you take it into consideration when you're, you know, coming up with material? Yes, you definitely take it into consideration. And anybody that tells you otherwise is either a, a loose cannon or lying. <laughs> uh, but you do take it into consideration. And, you know, some of it is uh, probably most of it is justified. Um, the, you know, some of it, there, there only seems to be one option. And that option is canceling that person permanently, banishing them from, from show business or from the planet Earth. And uh, I do wish it was it had there were some more shades of gray there, right? Because um, you know I I don't even want to mention particular names, but uh, you know there is a difference between Harvey Weinstein and most everyone else, you yeah. know. And, sure. Uh, and yet uh, there doesn't always seem to be, and I think a lot of it is driven by a, a tiny group of people who are um, who seem to enjoy uh, tearing others apart. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what the interesting thing about it is? It's like the interesting thing about it is, and the thing that I struggle with it is, is that I'm going to be honest with you here. The honest part of me is I sometimes feel like, honestly, that it's time for the white American power structure just to get kicked in their nuts a little bit, if I'm being real. And that's not, it's, it, it, for me, when I think about the, I think about cancel culture as the overcorrection for us to get to the baseline. Like the, there's always an overcorrection of things, right? Because things were running so rampant, man. It, especially now, I look back at old things that I watched back in the day, and I'm like, God damn, they were really wild. Now, I don't know if things were different then, but look, get, looking at it through my eyes now, I think, was everybody that were, was the butt of all of these jokes that were were they just miserable the whole time and not and had zero voice to speak out? And are we living in a time now when those people can actually make a collective effort to come together and speak out? And now we're seeing this sort of radical realignment of, how, of societal norms. I get that. But at the same time, 
he does seem like they just letting the chopper loose now. Now everybody is just kind of getting sprayed up for almost every single thing. But I do wonder, though, is this moment that we're in, is it necessary for people to understand just how destructive some of these things can be? Like, if you're talking about the Me Too movement specifically, you're looking at women and, you know, you're looking at women who had decades and decades and decades of stories, like with the real ones. And then, like, real ones about this. And then I, I saw this woman tweet this one thing, and it I, I can't remember who she was. What she said was, and I, I'm not saying that I agree with this, but I can understand her where she was coming from. She was like, if a couple of innocent men have to go down for us to get our hands around this, then so be it. And I was thinking to myself when she tweeted that, like, God damn. But the thing is, you know, is she wrong? Yes. Okay. Oh, from the lady. Okay. She's wrong. I guess. And and I, I mean, I want Jimmy to be able to answer the question, but I'm just saying that's very extreme, you know, especially from the coming from the speaking from the perspective of a person of color, when you've seen so many innocent people, I get it. It's not necessarily the same comparison, but when you see so many innocent people that are incarcerated, that are on death row, that have lost their lives because they were wrongly convicted of something. I just, that's the first thing that popped in my head when you said, if innocent people have to go down just to get justice, that's not the way to do it. That's not the way that things need to be done. Yeah, I guess I yeah. agree. Well, and also, I don't think that cancel culture is is confined to white people by any stretch of the imagination. Hell no. Uh, you know, and I don't know. I think that, I think when you're when you're the when you're one of those two people, um, it, your perspective changes. And I'll tell mm. you another thing: like when your when your son is one of those two people, your perspective changes. And when you know someone you love is one of those those oh, two people, yeah. it, it's you know it's all a matter of of perspective. I just would hate. Here's what here's what concerns me. Um. It, what concerns me is that you're creating a nation of liars. Like people n will stop telling you what they, you really don't get a sense of who somebody, who somebody is, is if you mm -hmm. hit them over the head with a bat yeah. when they say something you don't like. Um, mm -hmm. They're not going to stop saying that stuff or thinking that stuff. They're mm -hmm. just going to retreat to their little circles. And, and it actually, I think, intensifies. You know, um, I think that you know, when you, when you see something like you see somebody uh, grant forgiveness to someone, um, it's just such a beautiful and positive thing. It's just something that makes the world better and makes people better. I mean, you know, we've seen it even like we've seen it with, with mass shootings where, you know, the, you know, where somebody shoots up a church and then you see these people from the church go they go on the news and they say we forgive him for doing this um you know in it, it usually it's you know it's based in religion and christianity and and that idea that we, we should forgive and it uh, it always makes me i don't i just feel like um like that's the that's the thing that works when it comes to bringing people together um you know, I look back sometimes at some of the things I've I've said about about people who support Trump and um and I, you know I realize like 
uh, what do you how do you think they're going to react when you call them stupid when you you know call you know sometimes it's hard to, for me to resist because i think things are stupid but i can almost guarantee you that if we all approached everything in a different way we wouldn't be on the brink of a civil war in this country uh, you know which is which i feel you think we are i think yeah, we, we talked might be. about this i, I yeah. think that i think that and I don't want to get you too worried, Van, because I know that, you, you know, that I know. <laughs> we talked about this on the show today, though. Right, Van and I text about these things sometimes. <laughs> but I um, I worry that uh, our president is um, is subtly putting it out there by using words like courage and um, which is not at all what this is about. And I, I worry that I worry about what my reaction will be if something happens in the Supreme court and they throw this election to Congress and Congress says, okay, Donald Trump's the president. Um, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a rational reaction to that. And um, what a terrible position for our leaders to put us in. Hmm. Yeah. What, what can be done to save it? Well, what can be done um, I wish I had the answers, but I think if, if I was forced to give an answer, my answer would be just this idea of, of communicating and, and loving each other and seeing the positive. And I mean, we all know, like you could work at a Best Buy and everybody has different opinions and everybody has different feelings. But when somebody who works through their child gets ill, everybody gets together and everybody you know, everybody does the right thing. And I hope that we can, something like that can happen on a a national level. You know, I I Mm -hmm. hope that there's a moment or a leader or a a point at which we go like, Hey, you know, we're supposed to be on the same team here. I mean, sometimes it takes a common enemy for us and you hate to see that be the thing that brings us together, but sometimes it is. Um, I, I just think that if we all, uh, polish the edges a little bit, that we'd be in a better situation, you know, uh, because we're not in a good one. Yeah. I'm trying, I, I'm going to lighten it up. I was going to ask you another question about that. Cause we, we do go into that on the podcast today, actually, but you've had pretty much everyone on your show. Mm-hmm. If you is there somebody that you would love to see as a guest on your show that's never been there? And then on the other end, if you could have somebody on your show that is no longer with us, who would you have? Well, I think as far as who's no longer with us, I would love to have Kurt Vonnegut, the writer on, oh, on the wow. show. He's somebody that that yeah. I I think uh is uh somebody I, I love reading and who's who uh, as a human being, I, I admire greatly. Uh, he's somebody I would love to have on the show. Um, of course, you know, there are people like Abraham Lincoln or, you know, <laughs> some, you know, these people through history that would be fascinating. But um, just as far as people who died within the modern era, he'd be somebody I'd love to talk to. And a person I'd love to have on the show. And you're right. I have had most everybody on the show is Banksy. Because I'm so interested in in who he is and what his motivation is, and I think um, 
I think that he's a very positive force and I love his work. I think he's very clever. I don't know if you've ever seen his, that documentary they I made about it. him. Yeah. The gift yeah. Exit to the gift shop. It's uh, I just think he's great. And uh, he's somebody that I would love to have on. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, look, man, wait a minute before you wrap it up, man. Uh-huh. Oh, I heard wow. you guys talking and I heard you say that somebody told you not to say the N word on the podcast anymore. <laughs> And you would not reveal the identity. Yeah, I didn't even ask who it was. I know you didn't. I noticed that. I know you didn't. I tried to be nice. Because you knew you wouldn't get the answer out of him. <laughs> was it? And I'm mm -hmm. only going to guess once. I'm not going to go through a laundry list. But mm -hmm. I want you to promise me that if I guess the right name, you will tell me that. It, I got you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Was it Sarah Jessica Parker? <laughs> No. Oh, all right. Little, little older, lot blacker. Oh, a little older okay. and a lot blacker. All right, I'll go back to the drawing board. Right, yeah, that was a good place to start. Uh, good place to start, Jimmy. Man, um, uh, thank you for doing this. Thank yes. you. For My pleasure. That was fun. Bro. You guys are great. I love listening to you. I think it's interesting. I think you have great chemistry. I think you guys are. I mean, I think Rachel, you might be the only good thing that ever came out of those Bachelorette shows. <laughs> That makes so much coming for you. You know, I feel like I can be my real self on this podcast. We love doing it. Thank you so much for being here. You got on anything here. to plug? Is there anything to plug? You just continue to take over the world one viewer at a time there. Um, you know, I, yeah, no, I, I just, uh, I do the show every night. And that's, uh, <laughs> and then I go home and, and, I, and I lay down next to a three-year-old. So I'm going right. to go do that now. We have the same that's birthday. Your oh. son and I have the same birthday. Oh, you know, Whoopi has the same birthday as well as It's us. a popular day. And Whoopi sends right. me a present every year on my birthday, which is very sweet. That's, a, that's fucking amazing. It's right? always, it's always pop. Oh, yes. Speaking yes. of that, not a flex, but speaking of that, speaking of gifts, yes. not a flex. This is, this is normal it's, on the podcast. It's not so a flex ahead. at all. Go ahead. Go ahead. Quick story. Uh, me and Jimmy met a couple of years ago and, um, my mother's going to love the fact that I'm telling this story. Me and Jimmy met a couple of years ago and somebody randomly hit me up and asked me for my address, right? So give the address. And then this very nice fucking like farmer's meat packaging thing comes. Like, it's like, it had like, it, it's a holiday gift. It had like uh, fucking peanut butter in it. It had jelly in it. It had bacon in it. It had like, it's all this like from a farm or something like that. It's, hey, Merry Christmas. And I'm like, yo, this shit is really cool. It's very nice. My mother is in town. And I'm telling my, my mother's looking and like I'm telling my mother, I say, hey, you know, that peanut butter, that all natural organic peanut butter that you're using? I want you to know, Jimmy Kimmel sent me that peanut butter. I said, boy, you lying. I'm like, oh, would you like to see the card? The card says on it, Jimmy and his family right there. Look at it. Boom. My mother, every time she made a fucking sandwich, every time she cooked <laughs> bacon, every time she roasted coffee. Bring, girl, you know what I'm doing? Over here roasting some Jimmy Kimmel coffee. What you talking about? <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel, such a nice man, sent my baby this whole package of foods. They are such good friends. They go on vacations together and stuff like that. <laughs> I know your son ain't never amounted to shit, but my son is friends with Jimmy Kimmel and I'm just drinking some of the coffee right now. Wouldn't leave it alone. 
<laughs> well, let me tell you something. If you send me your mom's address, I will. Uh, I'll make. I know you probably oh, won't be man. seeing her, but I'll make sure she gets something to brag about uh, to her friends this year. <laughs> I got you, man. She would love that. All right. bro. Appreciate <laughs> All you, right. Jimmy. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. you so much. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, you All right, too. Bye bye. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Uh, yes, so let me ask you a question. Okay. And I want to ask you a question. Is, is, this is an am I an asshole right here. Oh, no. Am I an asshole? You're like three for one on these, but okay. Three for one like asshole? Yeah, like uh, you're winning in the asshole column. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about it. So a singer that I like a lot, been following her career for a long time. Mm -hmm. Seven Street. All right, Mm -hmm. you know her? Yes. uh, Girl, I'm cool with is their good cousins. They're good cousins. They're cousins. The first cousins. So yes, I've met seven. I've met seven before. You've met Seven. Mm-hmm. Seven is super talented. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, she's beautiful. All of the things. Just a, a star. A right. star. Okay? Right. A star. Um, now, she posted something a day ago that caught my eye. Right? Okay. This is it. She, Seven, unfortunately, for our sister, has come down with the COVID. We risk her uh, speedy recovery from it. Um, and all the health in the world. This is what Seven did to announce that she had COVID. She says, just got the word that I've tested positive for COVID. Now, this is on her Instagram, uh, black background, white cursive writing. Mm-hmm. Just got the word mm-hmm. that I've tested positive for COVID. Okay. I'm all good, but we'll be isolating for a little bit to protect those around me. And trust me, I'm doing everything so that I can deliver my new project, Drunken Words, Sober Thoughts, to y'all Top of 2021. I have to make sure I'm being safe first. Love to everyone in these crazy times. Stay safe and stay healthy. Okay. Now, when I first saw that, I thought to myself, Mm -hmm. did Seven just promote her album during her COVID announcement? And if so, ain't that kind of fucked up? Like, am I an asshole for thinking that it's not appropriate to promote your album while you're making the announcement that you have COVID? Man, you're not an asshole on this one. Oh! You're not. It's not. There were so many ways she could have made this announcement without mentioning the album. 
She mm. simply could have told us, hey, guys, I have COVID. You know, I'm, I'm taking care of myself. I'm doing okay. Keep me in your thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to be back healthier, better than ever. You know, that was it. Right. Next thing could, could have been, why, why did they have to be in the same post? You right. could have separated the two. You wanted them to be combined for a reason. Mm-hmm. To gain sympathy, to gain attention, to garner attention, and to with that attention, announce an album. I mean, there's yeah. really no other way to see it. Right. So I'm looking at something right here. I, when I, like, if, I'm, if you're scrolling through, you might not stop. But when you see the COVID announcement, you stop. I actually had no idea that Drunken Words, Sober Thoughts was dropping at the beginning of the year. All right. I didn't know that it was coming out. Uh, I would have eventually heard that it was coming out, I'm sure. Right. You know, it popped up on my title or whatever. But I didn't know it was coming out. So I guess what I'm saying is, it worked. Like it, it and, and by the way, she is not the only person that's done this. Who else is doing it? I'm still I, shocked that you can see likes, by the way. I scroll through people's Instagram. I can't see anybody's likes but my own. Oh, sweet. Um, but I, I there are other people to me that have used COVID announcements to kind of drum up some promo around stuff that they're doing. You know, and, and I'm not um, saying yeah. I, I'm not saying that it's necessary in, necessarily intentional, but it's definitely to me a little wild and weird. I don't know. I just I look at COVID as a very very serious thing, and it seems like wrapping it around an album kind of announcement. Yeah, like ah, you know it's like mean? the meme when people are like nobody, nobody, nobody. I'm dropping an album. I have COVID and I'm dropping an album. Like nobody asked you about the album. Just tell right. us that you have COVID. Right. You don't need to talk about the album. I don't know. I, I I think I follow her, but I don't know if she's been talking about it. Were fans asking? Has she said she had COVID before? And fans were like, hey, what about the album? I have mm. a hard time thinking that people would talk about the album when you have announced that you've had COVID. People, your fans just want to make sure you're okay. Yeah. And you're going to make it with us into 2021. Not about the album making it with us into 2020, 2021. Right. It's, I mean, it's calculated. Well, the reality is that... Uh, that sister's, that, 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 our sister's going to be okay. Like, we, 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 wish, we wish her all the best speedy recovery. She's going to be okay. I just thought it was interesting. You're not an you asshole. Know. You're not. I'm not, not an asshole that. for not being for that. like... Not for that. Not for that. I'm not an asshole for being like, I don't know about the whole dropping of the album and COVID shit. No, you know? It's, it's, it's not a good look. Not a good look. But I'll tell you one thing, though. We support Seven Street. Yeah, Seven we do. <laughs> and, and saying Sober, that, drunken, can't wait for the album to come uh, yeah, yeah, can't wait for the music. Um, drunken words, sober thoughts. It worked. We're talking about it. We're getting it out there. And a lot of people here who might have not streamed her before. I mean, she's very successful, but a lot of people, they're going to go stream her. You're going to get, you're going to be fucking like delightfully surprised. You're going to get some new great music in your life. So go, go do that. All right. Uh, now make sure you spell her name right when you're looking at it for all our thought warriors who are not familiar with her. S-E-V-Y-N. Yep. But you know, we acted like she's not, she, people know something. Um, uh, on the COVID front, a couple of other things. Number one, I don't know if you just saw this. The FDA approved two of the vaccines for emergency usage. You know, I did. And now, now the debate will rage of uh, whether or not people are going to take the vaccine. Well, you saw what Fauci came out with, right? What he's well, Fauci no, has said not. that the woman who created the drug is a black woman. So we should be. African-Americans should not be scared to take this vaccine because a black woman was behind it. 
That is what mm. Fauci has come out and say and said. Do we trust that? I'm not saying that there is not a black woman that's involved, but does that make you feel any more comfortable to take this vaccine? I was comfortable taking it in the first place, but I don't like Are that. You? Yeah, basically, yeah, for the most part. You know, it's, it's wait, wait, any... why why don't you like that he said that? Because I understand why he came out and said it. It's a huge thought in the black community. I got a, I, a text I, chain going off right now with my friends. Like, I'm not taking that drug. Right. First of all, I'm glad that he's that that she got her due for creating it. But don't lay all of that responsibility at the feet of the sisters. Hey, oh. uh, like, I, look, I'm I'm serious. To me, a scientist created a vaccine, and the vaccine is going to work or it's not going to work. Like black people go out and take the vaccine. Like it's like at some certain at some point, we have to listen to science and not to cultural endorsements. Okay. And, and so and so and look, I'm I want her to get all of the things that she is supposed to get because of the fact that she is a brilliant black woman that created the vaccine. But I don't think that we we always play this game to where we have to have an emissary in order to, and they that's kind of what they do to us. It's like, hey, vote for this guy because we're going to send two chains into your, into your neighborhood. But I don't that's It reeks of that. It does, it, the fact that she created the vaccine is fantastic. It's phenomenal. But just to let you guys know, a black woman created the vaccine is like, Look- I, I guess I just see it totally different because we've even talked about it on this podcast, the history of how, you know, African-Americans have been African-Americans. I never say that. How black people have yeah, been. How do I never say that. Blacks um, have been treated when it comes to health care and, and when it comes to being tested on things. And so we talked about that. We talked about the fear that runs rampant in our community. And so I looked at this more as not about putting her up in front of it, like just some figure, hey, a black woman is involved. It was more like, listen, I know you guys have fears. I know what the history has been. And I'm just letting you know, there has been women, women of color or people of color are behind this vaccination. They're not made. It's not for us, by us. There's a woman who is black who's been involved. So all those fears that you have, just know that somebody who's just like you has been involved in creating this vaccine. I that's how I take it. But she's not just like you. She's brilliant. She's a scientist. Like it, she's that's the point. She's not just like you. She's a scientist. She's a works- person of color. She wants to see people of color who have, who are three times more affected than whites. We saw right. that that's changed yeah. in the recent. The CDC has come out and said that 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 the results have changed from when they were previously announced. Mm-hmm. She wants to see her like that's how I guess I look at it. You know, she's not exactly like us as far as her her smarts. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I'm saying she's like us and that she is one of us. So don't think this is white people making a vaccination. So, but my that, point is, my point is, if I'm skeptical enough yeah. to not believe, this, to not trust Dr. Fauci that the vaccine is safe, why yeah. would I touch, trust Dr. Fauci in regards to who he says is okay to listen to? That type of person is always going to be that type of person. That's They're never going to believe anything. So, but for me, I'm fearful. But to hear that a black woman was behind it, I have to tell you, that makes me say, oh, okay. Look, All we've heard is bad things about how this 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 disease, this virus is affecting people of color. Oh, now you brought in a person of color to help create this vaccine that right. is so badly affecting us. That, to me, right. resonates with me. 
well, how about wherever I see black women, I feel safer and I feel better. Just the way that it is, right? So that's how you is. feel every time you what? get on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> but uh, so whenever I see black women, I feel safer. I feel better. But I will say this. <laughs> Just in a real way, the science is the science, okay? In, th- in this situation, I, the vaccine is no safer because of the ethnicity of the person who, who created the vaccine. It's just That's no, true. it's no safer. So what I'm, t- what I'm talking about is if you want, if you want to use, uh, if you want to use her as a conduit to get the message out to people and stuff like that, then let her speak for herself and let her talk about it. Fauci going, Hey, just to let you know, somebody black created it. Like I, that whole method of thinking to me, I'm ready to do away with it. And it's not on the same lines, but I have people that would back in the day would say, Hey, this person said I could do this. So I could do this. This person said that this was no more cultural passports in any way. I guess I don't from see one it back that to, way. I, I, because it's really not that way, but it's how I interpret it. Like you're mm-hmm. speaking to 40 million people. Mm-hmm. So when you speak to us, talk to us just like you talk to everybody else. Like talk to us on some, like we're, we can get it. There are definitely trust issues in the black community as far as the way uh, American history and uh, things that have happened to us. But I'm telling you, if the legwork is done, it, you don't need to come through and coddle a bunch of people about this. I just don't. don't look at it as coddling. I, I I mean, I understand what you're saying, but for me, it was like, oh, okay, all these people don't look the same who are putting this out. Like, you're, I guess you're taking, I, I don't know. I, you're right. The science is the science. I understand that. But to know that we have these fears and to know that there is someone who's involved, who can speak towards, I guess, how it's affecting us and what's going on. It does make me feel better. I, you know, maybe yeah. it's, 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 it's just, I, I don't know. It just makes me feel better. It's, it's not a sci- a scientific thing. I just right. feel a little bit more just, comforted. You know, knowing like, somebody, knowing somebody, I guess, is at, else is at the table. Look, here's you the know? thing, man. If you really want to get some of the brothers I know to take the, to take the vaccine, give a pair of off whites, give a pair of off whites. Do off whites, off white Nike lows. You don't even don't have to do be off whites. Like you, it could be regional. Like you want people to take the vaccine. This is easy, easy work. If you in New York, let's say you in the Bronx, vaccine Tim's. You come yeah. in, you come in and take the vaccine. You get. So you we get, just gonna sell it, sell our souls for a pair of Tim's. Do you know how for many people for hundred and fifty dollars? You know what I, I, I said. People I know. I can't speak for a lot of people. That's that's how I do. It. People I know. Do you know how many? Dudes, I know that if good, the good, dudes, because you, know, you know it was about to come. You know how I many dudes I know that if the vaccine came with a pair of Jordans, they out of here. <laughs> like, hey, bro, hey, bro. You know, I might grow a, a third foot, but that third foot will probably have another Jordan on it. I'm not gonna lie, bro. I'm gonna go get that vaccine, man. Like, if you so look, if you go, if you go coddle people. And try to get them culturally. Just it's go all the way. Not the same. Just go this all the way. Like, this ain't here. Here's your vaccination. Here's a vaccine. It's like you're like 40 acres in a mule. I'm gonna give you the vaccine. 40 acres in a mule. Uh, translates to 2020. A pair of Jordans. No, that is not how this is done, man. I'm just saying. Look, I'm saying. I'm saying. The reality is that if that's how you're gonna play, if you're gonna pay pay people with a wide cultural brush like that, then just go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and do it. You know, vaccine brunches. At uh, 
uh, uh, was it at, Kitchen uh, and Cocktails? At, 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 at no, taste, at True, at at true, 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 true Kitchen. True Kitchen. <laughs> no twerk, limited twerk, vaccine brunches at True Kitchen and Cocktails in Dallas. You know what I'm saying? Get a shot and take a shot. That's right. You can get in the VIP that, section if you get that, if you get vaccinated. That, see, that'll work. That'll work. We're get a shot, take group. a shot. It's get a so shot, sad. and then you come around take with a, a lemon shot. drop shot as soon as you take it. Boom. Get a shot, take a shot. It's so wood. That's what's sad. But go ahead. Please. Uh, we got to keep it with it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mom. Um, but I am very proud of my sister. And the reality is this, guys. Uh, and my man, Pete Rock, shout out to Pete Rock, went on his Twitter earlier today and was talking about how stupid he thought the vaccine was. Here's the thing, guys, COVID's got to come to an end in some kind of way. It's interesting. People, the, people say, yo, I'm not going to take a vaccine. I'm not going to, we've talked about this before. Uh, I'm not going to get into anything that I don't understand it, right? It's so, so dumb. It, like, it's, it, 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 listen, I'm not saying that that's dumb. I'm, no, saying no, you do that, you. I'm saying you do that all the time. Like, tell me how the plane flies. You, like, you get in a plane, right? Tell me how the plane flies. Exactly. The like, flu. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Tell like, tell me how to do this. And by the way, if you if you don't have measles, mumps, or polio, you've probably been vaccinated. If you've never had it before. Well, then you didn't have a choice. Now you have a choice. How many well, of y'all get the vaccinated for the flu? Well, no, I mean, I, I don't ever get vaccinated for the flu because there's no reason to. Yeah, see, why don't you? Because I need those days off of work. really why you took it because yeah, I need those things off from work I just don't do it if I I mean like it's like no, I, just I, I would totally keep get my immune they used I to I have don't ta- I don't take it they used to have the flu shot lady come to TMZ but yeah. to me it's always better if you're actually sick so you don't have to like fake it because I would take t- TMZ TMZ they knew it they knew the first Tuesday of every month I wasn't coming to work like I it, it Monday I would come to work and I'll tell you why. So these are the, this is the way I had it. What was the month, first Tuesday of every month? First Tuesday of every month, I wasn't coming to work. I was going to take a day off from work. I was going to be sick. Something was going to happen. I wasn't coming to work. Because we worked at TMZ 12 hours a day, five days a week, sometimes on weekends. You know what I mean? You, it was always, and it was nonstop. When the rest of the city would go on hiatus and stuff like that, we had nothing. It was a grind every single day, like a baseball season. And so for me, I just needed every once in a while, I just needed a day to chill, play video games, go out and see the sun, do all that stuff like that. But you couldn't take Monday off because it was a heavy news day. Right. All right. You don't want to take Monday off. You can't take Friday off. Right. Because Friday, you're getting all the stories for the weekend. Wednesday and Thursday are the two littest days. You don't want to take those off. The only throwaway day of the week was Tuesday. So when the flu shot lady would come around, everybody would be like, "Bang, get a flu shot. Van, get a flu shot. And I'd be like, why would I get a flu shot when y'all know I'm going to get the flu in three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I Listen, you get the flu. I don't want it, but I try to just like keep my immune system. I could try to avoid shots. Yeah, I don't have to take them. I don't know where I stand. I mean, so you, I, I just don't want to be the first one to take it. I understand it. You, well, we won't be because it's going to be dished out in, mm-hmm. in certain ways. But right. when it, when we're dished out, I don't know where you fall in. I'm going to fall under essential workers. Maybe you'll fall under essential workers. Why are you an essential worker? In California, I'm deemed an essential worker because I go in the studio every day for extra. That is the most California 
piece of horse shit bullshit I, I have ever heard before. I'm not a life. frontline worker. So I'm in like a, a different way. I'm not frontline. You should line. refuse the vaccine. I'm you not frontline. Re- I'm like in the third wave. You should refuse the vaccine. I didn't say, I'm still on the fence about taking no, it. What, what, no, you can't be on the fence about taking it. You got to get vaccinated. We I, just don't want, I just don't know how quickly I want like, to, you know, and then this new report coming out about Bell's palsy and people getting it in the, did you see that? Did you I see look, that? You guys, 70% of the country has to be vaccine, vaccinated for us to put COVID to bed. We have to get vaccinated. You have to get vaccinated. I will eventually. I'm not, I, I will eventually. But you're telling me to turn down. Apparently, I'll be in the third wave. I'll be above most because I'm of being an that, essential worker. And you're telling me to turn it down. I'm telling you as people at Walmart that see 100 people a day. They'll, they're people they're out essential bags. workers. They'll right. get it too. They're with don't, me too. Don't take a dose away from somebody who's no, really essential. We're all, in the, we're, we're all in the same business. Like in, in California, entertainment no, is considered. So, I'm just telling whack. you, like Governor Newsom said, entertainment, look at the order. Entertainment is considered because I'm. we produce news every single day. News. So it's called news and entertainment. We do news every single day. We're considered an essential worker, like a grocery store worker. You think that Billy Bush deserves a COVID vaccine? Seriously, more than like wow. some, more than like you think Billy Bush deserves I don't, a COVID vaccine? I don't want to say anybody deserves something more than than another. I'm the just telling driver. you by by order from the governor what we are deemed as. That's I didn't say that I I lobbied for that. I didn't say I'm an advocate for being deemed an essential worker. I was shocked, but I was like, California, California. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. All right. It was a monumental guest on the Red Table Talk. This is a big deal. Olivia Jade, the son, excuse me, the daughter of Lori Laughlin. <laughs> the daughter of Lori Laughlin, who was the public enemy number one in the Varsity Blues scandal. Uh, if dead. you guys don't remember what the Varsity Blues dead, scandal dead, was, dead. <laughs> it was uh, an FBI operation to take down kids wealthy kids, USC kids primarily, but some from some other schools as well, that were uh juking the system, using this guy Juke. to help them get to help them get into uh, school. There was this guy who would falsify your records and do all kinds of different stuff, lie about things that you had did, uh, and then you know, get you preferred access into USC. 
and of course, USC being a private school, if you get in, that means another student does not. Olivia Jade was like on YouTube and all of that stuff like that. She was becoming big on YouTube. You guys remember Lori Laughlin? She was the aunt on uh, Aunt Ste- Becky. Aunt Becky on uh, Aunt Becky Full House. On, on Full House. Yeah, and her, her, her daughter <laughs> looks just like her. Very beautiful young lady. And she lost all her YouTube stuff because she was uh, college admissions. Because she's a cheat. Criminal. She's a cheater. She went on the Red Table Talk to talk to uh, Willow, Jada, and Adrian um, about this whole thing. And I think my question was, who fucking cares? <laughs> I mean, you are you done or you want me to yeah. you want me to go? So I share your sentiments. I I was disappointed by this. I don't know if you felt that, but I was disappointed. And particularly in one part. Now I didn't watch the whole thing because I wasn't trying to like give so much attention and and watches and likes to this whole, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? It was a show. Um, Adreen is that is that J- Jada's mom's name? Yeah, Adreen. Adreen. A Adreen. 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 Adreen Banfield Jones. Jada's mom. Okay, Adreen. Mm-hmm. There's this moment where she says she gets upset, and she's like, "At the end of all of this, you did all of this, but you're still going to be okay. Yeah, your parents. Your parents went to jail." You might have lost your sponsorships on social, but you're still okay. And I had a problem with this because I get that part of the whole shtick was for them to call her out because they would have been, people are already upset that they did this, but it would have been worse if they didn't challenge her and call her out. So I guess that's part of the display. But you're part of the problem by bringing her onto your platform. For you to call her out and say, okay, you're going to be okay. I feel like you're feeding into this. You're contributing to making it okay, right? Like you're giving her a platform. You're giving her an attention. You're giving her empathy. You're giving her grace. And at the end of the day, she's going to say her piece, say whatever, but you're giving people the opportunity to empathize with her. And at the end of the day, she's going to get a book deal. She's going to get a reality TV show. She'll get her sponsorships back. And all because you gave her a platform to speak out and to be understood. I would have never wanted to contribute to that. Ever. Just to, to, to cut in, does it change your mind at all that according to Yahoo!, uh, Adrienne Banfield Jones said she fought tooth and nail to yeah, have her on, did. and that is her being here is the epitome of white privilege, is what she said. She okay. said that it, early on in the episode, yeah, it was, there was it was clear that there was a schism between uh, between her and um, Jada Pinkett Smith over so, whether not to have her on. She didn't want her on. So you know, thank you for bringing that up. For me, I wouldn't have been a part of it. Mm. Because I just feel like I get you and I appreciate the fact that you share the same sentiment that I have, that you have, Van, and a lot of other people, but she's still there and you were still a part of it. You could have had the option to just not be there and put out a statement as to why you didn't want to be a part of it. You're giving her, and it's like, at what point do we sacrifice what, what it is that we believe for mm. the attention and the money and the likes, uh, you know, and the watches? For the the show that you're trying to put out, is it about the money 
or is it about really doing what you feel is right? And I guess that's what I have such an issue with to bring her on. We didn't even really need to talk about her. Her parents have been convicted. They're currently in jail. You know, this, as you said, this girl's going to be just fine. So why are we giving her a platform to speak out? I mean, my God, the first thing she said was, I didn't even realize I had this privilege. I don't want to hear her explain that. Like, I, it's just, it was the epitome of white privilege. And by the three of them sitting at the table talking to her, you contributed to that privilege. Hmm. Interesting. The, re- the reality is that the most annoying thing about the Olivia Jade Red Table Talk, and Olivia Jade hurt no one, was that it was unnecessary, like mm-hmm. you said. Mm-hmm. Like, who gives a shit? Like, Olivia right? Jade is, like, it, it was unnecessary. Like, everyone said, like, it, if Red Table Talk or any place is going to be, now, it's unnecessary to me. Obviously, it wasn't un- unnecessary to Jada Pinkett. She had something she wanted to say, and she did what she wanted to do, and that's her right as her show. That's her form, okay? But to me... There have been other situations at Red Table Talk where the cultural weight of the offense or whatever was worth the discussion. This wasn't. Mm-hmm. If you want to have that discussion with somebody, have it with Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Right? Because Lori, Lori Laughlin and the people, they were the people putting these things in order. Olivia Jade is just a kid that's going to go on and continue to do her thing. And this is going to be a blip in the entire... Patty Hirsch, uh, Patty Hearst, another uh, white lady from the 70s, Patty Hearst, heiress to... Uh, uh, William Randolph's Hearst newspaper empire, right? Got with the, uh, it was like there's a, a black militant group. Oh, yeah. You remember this? Mm-hmm. Got with a black militant group. Got her on tape. rat a tat tat You know what I'm saying? Go like going ham with all of these guys, right? She was hanging out with them. She was, she was down. She had the beret on. She was getting it, right? Uh, later on, it's like I was brainwashed, guys. You know, you know what it becomes? It becomes a book deal later on in life. <laughs> exactly. Like you said before, it becomes it becomes a movie of the week. And this is what exactly. that's going to be for Olivia Jade. So it's not at, the only thing that was offensive about it is that we're acting like it's an important thing. It's not an important thing. Not at all. So like, you know, be important. Right. So what I'm saying is the most offensive thing about it to me was Red Table Talk acting like things are one to one and that they're equal. And that's right. kind of what Jada's mom was talking about. There's really no need to discuss it or to really even parse through it because, like, Olivia Jade is going to be just fine. Now, I can't say what mental toll it took on her. You know, I, I can't say what psychological toll it took on her. She's a young woman starting her life, and she deserves to be able to tell her story. But I'm just wondering why. But why that- give it to them? And on, and on an all-Black platform at that. Black. You know what I mean? Give Black. her, give her, go somewhere else because anybody would have been willing to take that. You know what I mean? And the fact that they did it. It would have been different if she was a, a family friend that they grew up with, that they had some kind of inside knowledge to this family. I, I might have been a little bit more like, all right, all right, okay, I can understand this. But it was just more about like, we got it first. So I think that there is something that we have to talk about at least... Very, very briefly. Okay. Go down into the political toilet here. Let's talk about Mr. Rush Limbaugh. Now, just to let you guys know that, uh, uh, just to let you guys know, uh, it, it, we went back and forth here at the, the team on mm-hmm. how I learned about whether or not we would discuss this story. Mm-hmm. Because it's coming from Rush Limbaugh, who Rush Limbaugh's job, it seems to be, uh, is to sow division. 
and yep. to create an us versus them culture war that will eventually end in the fragmentation of America and maybe a schism in this country that we might not be able to recover from. Mm. Don't make no mistake about it. When Bill O'Reilly was, well, the first time I heard the term culture war, it came from the silo at Fox News and it was Bill O'Reilly. That is not me railing against the right. That is me saying that the term culture war, okay, was introduced to me by Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly thought that there was a culture war that was being waged in America against straight white male, males and that uh, there was a group of people in America that wanted to challenge the dominance. They actually, this actually was said on the show, i never forget it, um, and the leadership of straight white males like Bill O'Reilly. Rush Limbaugh has been on that for a very, very long time in terms of what he believes America should be, who should be running America, and what he believes an American actually looks like. He said something today. He says, there cannot be a peaceful coexistence, not today, earlier this week, maybe yesterday. There cannot be a peaceful coexistence between liberals and conservatives. I actually think that we're trending towards secession. Hmm. Now, we talk about words that are dangerous. And you guys think, what, 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 what does Russell Limbaugh's opinion matter? And in a grand scheme of things, maybe, maybe it matters very little. Uh, but I can tell you that in my estimation, I don't think that that's true. I think it's very important for everyone to realize that we're closer to that eventuality than you think that we are. Mm-hmm. In terms of a full-scale secession, I don't think it will work because just because of economic reasons. That's not it. But a cultural secession, a part where even more so than there is right now, whether there are two Americas that are fragmented politically, re- religiously, and economically, but not, there's, it's always sort of been like that, but not so formally, right? To where you have, you have a large swath of the country where abortion was completely illegal. Where you have a large swath of, the, swath of the country where you could have guns in another part of the country where guns were, you know what I mean? Like in terms of I don't even know how that works. Well, I mean, the abortion thing would be very easy. You strike down Roe versus Wade, it goes back to the States. Right. And there would, there, would, there would literally be two Americas, one where you can get an abortion and one where you can't. Right. And with the political climate that we're in right now and some of the things that, quite frankly, the right's been able to pull off very well, we have to really sit down at a table, everyone, and decide what America is. And we have to do it pretty soon. But that's my thing. How do you do that? You're right. You're right in everything that you said. But the scary thing is, and which is why you have to talk about, um, I don't know how, even though everything you're saying is right, how do we come to the table when you have a side that is saying we're all about our country and patriotism and we want, we love our country, but you don't love the people that are within this country because they don't look like you, because they don't act like you, and they don't do the things that you do. We can never be on one accord if that's the way you really think. If, if with your your chest and your words and your voice, you're saying America, but what you mean is an America that's for me. We'll never get there. Well, and that's why I think, that's what I think Rush is putting out there without actually saying all those things. That's what he's saying. That's why yeah. we can't get there. Well, I mean, also, it the problem with statements like Russia's are that they're, first of all, it's a concrete statement. First of all, Rush Limbaugh yeah. doesn't know that to be true. 
Like, it's a concrete statement, right? It's a statement that there's no wiggle room. So what you do is when you make a statement that says, hey, there cannot be a peaceful coexistence, you create hardliners. Like, you create mm-hmm. people that go, okay, it's either, the, it's either here or there. So you create a hardliner when you make a statement like that. And he doesn't right. know that to be true. Is, is it a more tumultuous time for the left and the right than ever before? Yeah, but it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. And to be honest with you, it doesn't mean that either side, the left or the right, have to stay the, the way that they are. The reality is, it's going to take a lot of work from everyone, you and I included, for there to be a redefinition of what it means to be an American. Right. Because being an American doesn't mean that you're a white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, male or female. But being an American also doesn't mean that you get to go about your life complaining about everything and never, ever working towards the solutions that will actually make you uh, like a whole citizen. So everyone's got to do some work. Now, I believe to me, just from my point of view, the work I'm doing isn't actually to be an American. It's to be a human in this country. But that's how we look at it. They don't. I get it. They don't. But what what I'm saying is that there has to be a baseline agreement made about what everyone's expectations are. Like, what are your expectations from living in your country? Everything you're saying is so reasonable and logical, but I feel like when it comes to other people who don't feel that way at the table, they can't, they can't reason it that way. And the problem with what Rush said is that he's giving those people another option. The option, he's not saying come to the table and let's figure this out. His option is to just leave this and start your own. There is no compromise. There's no coming together. There's no unity, which is the same thing Trump was preaching. And then you have congressmen within states who are pushing forward these these ideals. You have the I believe it was the Missouri congressman who had to take down his tweet because he said he he wanted secession and he spelled it like the TV show excuse me, the TV show. Then you have Mm -hmm. in Texas, another person who's pushing forward what I believe is called the Texas Independence Act, which has been brought up several times Mm -hmm. to secede from the, from the country. There've been a lot of people on that too. Texas and Alaska both have like little wonky little parties that are down for something like that. So we, we laugh at them or we don't take them seriously or we brush off a rush when he's talking about this, but then they start to gain steam when you see a country that's so divided because you're giving them options. Well, this doesn't work. Well, this yeah. doesn't work, which is how Trump got into office. Well, I like him because he's different from the rest and he's he's extreme and he's not mm-hmm. a politician. He wants to get things done that are separate than from what's been going on. Mm-hmm. You know, R- remember, so I don't have very much faith in actual secession. I think all of that's malarkey. And the reason why I think that is because uh there hasn't been a war in America that corporate America hasn't signed off on in a very, very long time. And there are, you would significantly complicate the economies of a great many gigantic corporations if there was an American succession. You would, you would, it would be, you would, because then there has to be new type of inner, you have to, there have to be new treaty signed, right? That, that changes passports, that changes tax stuff that changes all kinds of things, right? And for a while, it would be very, very bad for the stock market. It would be mm-hmm. very, very bad for the economy. It would be very, very bad for a lot of people who, who just want to sit back. I mean, the Koch brothers and George Soros, one of them wants the country to be left, the other one wants the country to be right, but they both don't want to be broke. 
mm-hmm. because they're too used to being rich, and that's apparently a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so I don't think that that's a very realistic scenario. You know what I mean? Like corporate America has to support wars. Mm-hmm. They have to. And I don't, yeah. I don't think it's very realistic that that, uh, that that would happen. But I don't think that the alternative to it, which I said is a cultural succession mm-hmm. in a major, in a major way, in an organized way, in a semi-legal way, based upon things that could be deemed unconstitutional by a conservative Supreme Court and based on other things, is any less destructive. And I think, look, bro, like, it's like, if people are ready to go to the mattresses, well, then so be it. America was built on this type of situation. Mm -hmm. But just understand, just understand how much trauma there's going to be. And civilizations fall. And I don't think people understand their world history. Soviet Union used to be this great big deal. It's one country now. It's still a pretty powerful country, Russia, but then the rest of the people, the rest of the you know, right. Soviet Union, Ukraine and all of that, uh, you know, Kazakhstan and all of that stuff like that. Now it's kind of centralized right there in Russia. Their Maps are redrawn all the time. But you see, when this map gets redrawn, it's going to be scary. Yeah. I'm scared just listening to us talk about this conversation. Oh, it yeah. don't sound hopeful, man. It does I'll not be, sound it, hopeful, it, but that's why it's important to talk about what Rush said, because you got to start paying attention to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't ignore it because sooner or later, it could be an actuality. All right. So uh, I watched episode nine of The Bachelorette. Um, we were, episode we nine. were, episode nine. We were, <laughs> nice, we were, we were blessed enough to have Tasha in our presence for the last episode. Uh, strong black sister Tasha joined us. Um, on the last episode of Higher Learning. And here's my recap about this. This, this. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I'm having trouble speaking. I am so pissed off at the treatment of Bennett. Mm. Speak on and it. And the way that Bennett has been treated, mm. treated by Tasha. If I would have known, <laughs> if I would have known that Tasha was this type of pit viper, black widow, dragon lady, to treat <laughs> Bennett this way? Okay. First of all, Tasha is getting out on Bennett, not for what's going on between her and Bennett, but for what's going on between Bennett and some other yeah. guy. So yeah. Bennett has a beef with some dude, and all of a sudden that makes him not a great mate. So you're going to go through your whole life with somebody, and they're not going to have beefs with people? Half of a relationship with a lady is listening to her <laughs> talk about who she don't like. This is true. This is true. Do you understand? Half of the relationship is listening to her saying, I can't stand that bitch. And do you know what you say? I don't like her either. <laughs> That's the only acceptable answer. I don't like her either. When I went to that holiday party, I saw the way she was acting. It was too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then they make up. And then you got to act like you never said that. Yep. But that's the way it goes. So Bennett can't have a beef. Right. Bennett, Bennett can't have a beef. So she, because of this, is Bennett, what's the guy's name? Noah? Is Noah. It, is it Noah? Noah. So Bennett and Noah can't get along. So she kicks Bennett off. She asked Bennett to leave. And immediately regretted it. Immediately regretted it because she's mm-hmm. not able to stand on her square. Bennett, of course, so Bennett got a little beef. Look, if you got that much swag, then obviously it's going to be some people that that don't know how to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Quite naturally. He, he glides when he walks. So the reality <laughs> is that, you know, um, 
so uh, before I move off of the Bennett situation, is Bennett gone or not? Because he came back. So, well, currently he's still with us. He's back. She didn't send him home. He professed his love and she said, you know what? So nobody ever told me that they loved me in a long time is what she said. So Bennett... I don't even remember she said that. Wow. Yeah, she said, I haven't heard that from somebody in a while. And so she was very... Uh, Bennett is a man of his word. He doesn't play games. So Bennett, you know, he's, he's with us right. for now. By the way, this was the episode that made me certain that there's no way I could lose if I was on The Bachelorette. I'm sorry. No way you could lose? No way. There's no way I could lose. Why? Because I got too much trauma. This episode was oh. all about trauma. You know how many You're fucking right. sad stories I could tell? I got, like, right. I, got, I got too much trauma. Think about right. the story about the, 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 the shotgun shells alone. That right You're there, right. the shotgun shells alone. Forget about stuff that happened back in Louisiana where, you know, as soon as you like 13-year-old friends get cancer routinely because of the environmental conditions. It's a, it's a true thing, cancer alley. But what I'm saying is that, forget about that. Because everybody was very sad in this episode. Yeah. Riley and his daddy. I know. I got to take back everything I said about, about Yoda, Black Yoda. He's great. He's kind of cool, man. I felt for him. No wonder he has pointy ears. Because he's got so much on his mind that it's spreading that his ears out. That has nothing to do with it. That has, don't justify it. That his mind is settling into his head and it's spreading his ears out. <laughs> like, that's what, that's what I wonder. Don't no, no, no wonder. I almost fell out of my chair. No wonder. He's like, he's got pointy ears. I didn't know that. he Because I think, why is he lying about his name? I'm like, what's, what, why would you lie about that? And then it's a sob story behind it. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, so you believe the lie detector test as well? I don't believe, I know, I didn't <laughs> believe it, but I, it, it like, I, I love how they, they, I didn't believe it, but it was like, it was good TV. Lie detector You gotta stuff love how they, how they ask certain questions. Yeah. Lie detector stuff is always good TV. So I, I didn't believe it though. I didn't believe the lie detector. I wouldn't say that I believed it. But, uh, so that, and then the other guy who had tried to, Commit suicide? Yeah, Ben. Ben, it's tough. Like, I was watching the show like, I'm actually feeling okay. Like, these guys got it way worse than me. Like, yo. You know yeah. He, yeah. Do you think that all of this is right, though? So that's a question that a lot of people, this, I will tell you, what we're getting from these men is heavier than I've seen from, from any season that I've watched. Now, I know mm -hmm. I'm not well-versed before I was on the show, but... Right. This is this is a lot. I think part of it is because normally you see people going from country to country to country. And part of it is filler of, oh, my gosh, we're doing this amazing activity in the middle of Finland, you mm. know. And so it's now it's about the conversation, which we don't normally get to see all of this. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's part of it. Also, since you're a newbie, there is usually this usually happens with one or two contestants. It's like. I have to tell her my story before I can have her meet my family. I need to let her know this about me. It's only mm. fair. Mm. So yeah, there's always the story. Interesting. And so it's part of the reason of casting. It's part of what makes the show the show. People come in with these deep-rooted pasts. Mm. Mm. And it makes America fall in love with them. Yeah. It is, it was, this is heavier than normal though. With Zach, with the drug addiction and the brain tumor, Ben, 
the yeah. army, suicide, All the eating stuff. disorder, Riley, the family, it it, the it name like, change. It, it's weird because it seems like the guys are kind of up in the ante a little bit. Not up, in, not that they're doing it on purpose, but it's like right. everyone's trying to go deep into their bag of of trauma in order to like get a lady. And well, they don't kind of know drag. what the other one is doing. Right. It's probably at this point, you're assigned to a producer. So the producer's like, hey, remember when you told me this? Like, maybe you should share that with her so you guys can connect. It's like that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So, let's see, there was that. There was the the whole Bennett situation. Noah, I hate him. Still, she doesn't give a rose to anyone. I don't, I don't like that type of stuff, man. These guys what? are going through it. It's like they're going through it. You mean tell me Riley couldn't get a rose after all of that? Oh, by the way, I was wrong again. Spencer, gone. Like, like, yeah. like Spencer. What a dud, right? We never heard from him since the first impression rose. Spencer came in there and got the first impression rose. And then Spencer was like mute. He was like, he was basically turned into Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> like you, like you couldn't, he said one, one sentence the whole time and it was it. No more Spencer. What happened to Spencer? I think those men got to Spencer. Remember how like they came at him hard for the way he came in all confident with the first yeah. impression? They scared him. He went into a shell, never came out of it. Actually, I know what happened to Spencer. What happened? Spencer's been concussed this whole time. Because? Because, because Riley gave him one of them goddamn big hand bones with that big ass, the big ass arms. <laughs> Riley, Riley, Riley elbowed him with them big ass arms. And Spencer oh, probably right. in the pool. <laughs> Spencer probably got CTE. Spencer probably got CTE from the elbow, most likely. And that's when he probably probably just probably like, yo, I was on the Bachelor. He's gonna be like, yo, Spencer, <laughs> Spencer, you didn't win the Bachelor. He's like, I was on the Bachelorette. What are you talking about? I was on the Bachelorette. Spencer, mm, yeah, Mm-mm. Spencer's gonna forget 2020 ever happened after that elbow. <laughs> Like, he's going to be somewhere and people are going to be wearing masks. He's going to be, what's wrong with you freaks? You trying to rob me? Like, big spots in his memory. Uh, yeah, but that they better not, um, they better not get rid of Bennett. Oh, by the way, breaking news. Uh, Chadwick Boseman will not be recast as T'Challa in Black Panther 2. Wait, wait, wait. Was that an option? Because uh, they weren't going to CGI him. They they said that. I mean, they weren't going to have like a hologram or anything like that. No, they already said that. They, so we knew that. Right. Uh, it says Black Panther 2 in 2020 will explore the world of Wakanda and the rich characters introduced in the first film. They will not recast Chadwick Boseman. Oh, recast. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Recast. Yes, so yes, there will yes, be yes, no yes. Black Panther or it will be... The it will, be, will probably um, hand it to Shuri. Which really happens... In the book, in, in the comic, okay. Yeah, Black Panther goes to America. Black Panther goes to space. Shuri becomes Black Panther for a little while. Does uh, she become Black Panther in secret? So people think. Um, no, no. Okay. No, she hasn't become Black Panther in secret. She looks completely different when she's in the. No, but I thought you know, like he wears a full suit, so I yeah, thought like she like, was pretending to be Black Panther. Smaller. You know, like kind of like in uh, Troy when um, Patroclus yeah. pretended to be Achilles. Yes, and what, I know look what you, happened I to him. Look what happened to him. Okay, stop doing that Got part. That I was just, I was just one. You didn't have to take it there. Up. You didn't have, actually, that actually, up. actually, he fought for a little bit because that's why Hector he got thought, his ass um, kicked. That's why Hector thought it was Achilles. He was like, no. he moved. Yeah, they were like, he, he said moves he moved like, like you. Like you. He, he didn't moved, say he, he could even, fight like you. That was not was a like, good fight. Hector he was like, he even Patrick. moved like you. The whatever right. the, the servant guy, his right hand man. They were lovers. They were lovers. Now people don't people don't want to talk about that. That Patroclus and Achilles were lovers? They yeah, were lovers. because if you yeah. read the original shit, they were yeah, lovers. I know. But they made them cousins in the movie. You I see know. what you're doing, Hollywood. I know, I know, I know. 
It's, yeah. it's one of my it's one of my favorite movies. Oh, you, you love that? Because Brad, Pitt, that's Peak Brad. That and Legends of the Fall. Peak Brad. Peak <gasps> Brad. <laughs> now we talked about Legends of the Fall. I can't even go right, there right, right now. Peak Brad. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Look, guys. Oh wow. Oof, Jimmy Kimmel. Right. Big time. Big time. This time. is the one time where your name dropping paid off because I feel like Jimmy was like, you know what, Van's a friend. I'm going to give y'all all my time. All my, my time. my man. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. Fantastic guy. Great guy. Yeah, um, really. So because we had Jimmy, we obviously got to get Jimmy his due. We are not going to get to have mailback or unexpected ally of the week, although mm-hmm. I'm, you know. I think I'm you guys cool. will be okay with that. I think uh, you're yeah, fine. I think you guys got to be okay yeah. with that. So we'll do, mail- <laughs> we'll do two mailbacks next week. We'll do- give you a mailbag on Monday. And we will see you then. By the way, guys, just to let you know, I'm going to be okay. I'm fine. I'm going to be all right. Don't worry about me. It's cool. Okay? It's, it's a process. Okay? It's a process. Uh, thank you to Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> Take your thing caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan. I am Rachel Lindsay. We out. <laughs>